Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest voxcasting either side of the breach. Malifaux attracts prospectors, mercenaries, and criminals from all corners of the earth. But not everyone who comes to Malifaux comes in pursuit of power or wealth. Today's story introduces a man of knowledge who came through the breach to teach. However, even the most learned must know how to use a weapon in order to survive, and Sandeep Desai carries a mighty weapon indeed. I hope you enjoy Burning Knowledge, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by Von Stuck's Academy of Magic. Are you interested in gaining forbidden powers and living forever as an unholy amalgam of flesh and machinery? Then Von Stuck's Academy offers the education you've been looking for. Come join students 57, 81 and 102 in one of Von Stuck's secret lecture halls. You're already late, and the truancy officers have been dispatched. Burning Knowledge by Justin Gibbs India, 1900 You are not ready, Sandeep. The Akaria regarded the paper in his hand carefully before folding his arms. A cold breeze blew across the hill the two were standing on, which overlooked their temple. Sandeep clenched his fists, but managed to maintain a calm voice when he spoke. But why, master? Of all the students in this matter, I am clearly the most capable. Who else has summoned and bound Garmin? What other student has a better understanding of the proper use of soulstone? Clearly, some of my papers on the relation of current etherical breakthroughs to our ancient philosophies and mantra have made their way to Malifaux itself, or I would not have received this message. Imagine what I could accomplish in a land where the ether is more attuned to the human will. The Akaria waited patiently for Sandeep to finish. This is not of what I speak. Then what, master? The edge in Sandeep's voice could have cut steel. The Akaria let out a long, slow breath and put a hand on Sandeep's shoulder. You are a brilliant student, but you mistake knowledge for wisdom, talent for virtue, anger for courage. I have no doubt that you can accomplish many great things, but to what purpose? The Akaria began to slowly walk along the hill. Perhaps you will find a great purpose, but what means will you use to accomplish it? I have been told that Malifaux is a land that corrupts even the best men and women, and you have much growing still to do. It would be irresponsible of me to allow you to go, no matter how prestigious the teaching position sounds. Even if it is directly under this... The Akaria looked at the paper in his hand again. Victor Ramos. 
My purpose is the same as yours, master. The edge in Sandeep's voice had formed a blade. The guild has oppressed and murdered our people. What do you do to stop them other than meditate and pray? This is what I mean. The Akaria stopped moving and looked at Sandeep with soft eyes. We are doing much to stop them. We have organized a boycott of numerous cash crops which benefit the guild. We have prevented their tax collectors from... And what will you do against guild rifles, Sandeep spat. What good are boycotts and prayers against bullets and blades? In Malifaux I can study magic, which they could never match. I could undermine them from the seat of their power. There was a long silence. In Malifaux, you would become like them. Sandeep stared with cold eyes. The Akaria sighed heavily and unslung the heavy mace from his back, holding it out handle first towards Sandeep. Take it. Sandeep's eyes widened. If you truly believe you are ready, take the gada. The Akaria watched Sandeep's hand reach out and then hesitate. I have borne the burden of Banasava's anger every day for thirty years. Surely you can resist it for a few moments. Sandeep's eyes narrowed, and he snatched the gada from his master's hands by the handle. Instantly the world span and he felt nauseous. After a few moments he got a hold of himself and raised his head to look around. For the first time in his life everything was clear to him. How had he never seen this before? The people of his mother, the guild, nothing but insects squabbling for crumbs and they were squabbling at his table. He looked at the garter he held. Crushing insects was such an easy thing. A voice that sounded like rending steel echoed in his skull. Kill the old man. We will both be free. Sandeep's eyes focused on his master. So long as I am bound to him, I am limited. Crush him and free us both. The fool deserves it. He handed you the garter. I have watched you all these years, Sandeep. You don't need the old man. Together we can... Sandeep threw his head back and let out a primal shout as he tossed the cursed garter to the ground, before falling to a knee. He was panting and beads of sweat had formed on his forehead. How? How have you resisted that for thirty years? The Akara picked up the garter and regarded Sandeep for a long moment. Banasava... The Azura, trapped and bound within this garter, is a being of flame. He is a flame that feeds on anger. If you give him no kindling, he has no power. But the stronger your anger, the stronger Banasava's hold on you. The Akaria tilted his head. You hold knowledge in such high regard, Sandeep. You should have known this. All knowledge becomes useful eventually. As Sandeep considered this, another student approached the hill and bowed to them. Meetal, the Akaria greeted him. I am giving Sandeep a private lesson. Meetal bowed. I know, Master, but a guild magistrate has come to see you. The Akaria sighed. Never a pleasant visit. I suppose we will pick up the discussion later, Sandeep. Perhaps you can meditate on our conversation. The Akaria inclined his head and began walking down the hill as Meetal helped Sandeep up. What happened to you? I held the garter. Ah, he gave it to you when you were already riled up, didn't he? Meetle smiled. Sandeep nodded. 
It could have been worse. The first time I held it, I tried to take the old man's head off with it. He made me regret it. Meetle rubbed his shoulder, as if remembering a past injury, and his eyes narrowed. He never listens to reason, he added under his breath. Together they followed their master down and into the temple, where the guild were waiting for them, as well as a worried crowd of students. The magistrate was an overweight man whose muddy boots had left an obvious trail to where he stood. With him was a squad of riflemen, all with their guns at the ready. Yakaria's brow furrowed. What is the meaning of this? You disgrace this holy place with your weapons. The magistrate removed a paper from his pocket and unrolled it. Hemat Patel, a carrier of the... He squinted at the paper. Never mind the gibberish. Mr. Patel, you have been tried in absentia for the crime of unlawful disruption of guild activities and the aiding and abetting of known anti-guild agents. You have been found guilty and sentenced to a life of forced labor. Tried in absentia? I don't understand. What is the meaning of the... The magistrate motioned to one of the riflemen, who lifted his rifle in one smooth motion. Yukari had just enough time to realize what was happening before the air was split with a thundercrack of smoke and fury. Clutching the blossoming wound in his chest, Yukari slumped to his knees, his mouth working in silent disbelief. A collective gasp of surprise rose from the gathered students. Stop resisting arrest, the magistrate said, as if the sudden execution was simply a matter of routine. All right, round up the rest of them. Chaos erupted in the temple. Some students tried to flee, while others attempted to fight. The riflemen began firing indiscriminately throughout the matha, many not even bothering to take aim before pulling the trigger. The coppery smell of blood and the sulfur smell of gunpowder filled Sandeep's nostrils as he tried to fight his way to his fallen master. From the corner of his eye, he saw two riflemen dragging Meetle away and out of the temple, but there was nothing he could do to help his struggling friend. He finally reached the Akaria and knelt down next to him, grabbing his master's bloody hand. The wound in his chest was a nasty one. Sandeep, run. Blood was flecking between the Akaria's lips. There is nothing he can do here. Run. Sandeep looked around at the indiscriminate slaughter. He saw the pools of blood and watched as the magistrate wiped his muddy boots on the fallen body of one of Sandeep's fellow students. Rage flooded through him. His vision went red. No! The Akaria saw the look in Sandeep's eyes, but it was too late. Sandeep grabbed the garter from the old man's weakened grip. Once again the world spun, and Sandeep could see clearly. He felt his muscles tighten and his breath quicken. The guild had come here this day for death, and he would make sure they found it. He hefted the garter above his head and brought it down on the ground with all his strength. The floor splintered and fell away from the blow, the wood searing black and then bursting into a circle of flame. Those closest to the fire screamed and leapt back, while others simply watched in stunned silence. Out of the flaming pit rose a hulking blue form. It was vaguely human in shape, but too large and with too many limbs. A twisted version of humanity that simply should not be. 
Flames wreathed its head as it spoke. Sandeep, you are the first to free me in a hundred years. What burden may I take from you? Sandeep's command was simple. Burn them. Burn anyone in a guild uniform. A look of pleasure that could almost be called a smile crossed the creature's face. Gladly. Yasura raised its arms above its head, and the flame surrounding it leapt upward, twisting into curling tongues of fire that lashed upward as if with a mind of their own. The riflemen, many of whom had been staring in surprise at the sudden appearance of the abomination, now reacted with trained reflexes, whipping their guns around and firing round after round into the hulking blue demon. Banasuva laughed as their bullets punctured his body, releasing small bursts of flames from each wound. Such insects with their stingers. The flames found each of the riflemen and wrapped tightly around them, setting their clothing alight as each strand bound its victim in place. When they opened their mouths to scream in pain or anger, or plead for mercy, the flames rose up like snakes and dove inside them, cooking each shaking and shuddering rifleman from the inside. The magistrate shrieked and ran for the door. Banasuva merely raised a hand toward the foolish human, incinerating him in a flash of heat and light. Black charred bones clattered to the ground. Banasuva's work was quick and brutal. A hundred years of bottled rage were unleashed inside of the temple that day. A wildfire that burned Sandeep's enemies to the bone. A lesser man would have turned away. Sandeep held his head high, his fingers clutching the garter tightly as he watched them die. He barely even blinked. One of the riflemen tried to flee past him, but Sandeep firmly planted the garter in the man's chest with a sickening crunch that shattered ribs. Despite its size, the weapon moved easily, as if it were an extension of Sandeep's own body. When the carnage died down, Banasuva's voice echoed in Sandeep's skull once more. That was an excellent feast for my flames, but my power is still... limited. Sandeep's gaze turned down toward the prone form of the Akaria. Malifaux, 1906. Sandeep knocked on the door to Kudra's small apartment. After a brief wait, he heard the bolt slide and then the door opened. Kudra moved with the grace of a dancer. She was dressed in blue as usual, and she bowed her head before gesturing for him to come in. I can't say I was expecting you. Did I miss a class? she asked. No. Sandeep shook his head as he stepped into the apartment. I'm actually here to ask you for a favour. Ah. Shall we discuss it over some tea? That would be lovely, Sandeep replied. As Kudra prepared the tea, Sandeep seated himself in one of the two wooden chairs that furnished the humble apartment. Your studies are going very well. Your paper on potential energy in regards to the charge of soul stones was excellent. Thank you, Kudra replied. I only wish we could have our sessions in regular lecture halls. That abandoned warehouse wasn't so bad, but the basement of the Star Theatre, even during the off hours, is distracting. Sandeep sighed. Yes, well, we always have to keep things one step ahead of the Guild. They are not terribly benevolent when it comes to training new magic users. However, 
I am assured that we will have something more permanent soon. I should hope so. Otherwise I may just give up and become a showgirl myself. She smirked as she brought the tea to the table and seated herself across from him. You spoke of a favour? Yes, the favour. Sandeep frowned slightly and removed the garter strapped to his back, inspecting it. Kudra eyed the garter suspiciously. I hope you aren't feeling angry at the moment. A smile flickered across Sandeep's face briefly. No. No. I haven't felt that way in quite some time. Anger is a flame, and in its wake it leaves only the ashes of sorrow. With the things I have done... His voice trailed off. Well, ashes are difficult to burn, but that is not what I came here to discuss. Members of the movement intercepted a guild message this morning describing the location of a prisoner. His name is Meetle, and he and I were students together. Interesting. Kudra crossed her legs and sipped her tea. What do you need from me? I feel I owe this man a debt. Anyone from my old mother. I feel, well... I would like you to help me rescue him. You are my teacher. Surely your skills are enough. Sandeep shook his head. The circumstances of his imprisonment are most unusual. For one, he is not being held in a guild prison. He is in a building in the quarantine zone. Kudra raised an eyebrow. It's near the sink. I am unsure why they are keeping him there, but the building is almost solid stone, with few windows and the outside of it is carved with subtle warding runes. I suspect that the guild have set up a dampening field. Kudra sipped her tea again. The message contained all that information. Sandeep waved a hand dismissively. Just the location and the name of the prisoner. The rest was basic research. So there's a building in the middle of nowhere where they're holding your old friend. The magical wards will prevent you from summoning Banasuva inside it or near it, and you can't work your spells once inside. It seems designed to keep you out. Or in, Sandeep frowned. It would be difficult to make a more obvious trap, she nodded. Even so, Sandeep replied, they chose their bait well. I have to try. Very well. What would you like me to do? There will be guards, and I'm going to need somebody to handle them. I've seen you fight. Those cobras that you keep... There's nothing magical about them, is there? Kudra smiled. Just simple flesh and blood. Where are we headed again? Kudra wrinkled her nose at the stale air. Just below Cistern 7, Sandeep replied, as he held his lantern aloft shedding light on the decaying walls of Malifaux's sewers. We should be almost there. I can't say I like the idea of seeking the help of a resurrectionist. Sandeep shrugged. The undead do not bother me. Do you know how many members of the guild I have allowed to be burnt to a crisp by a flaming demon? Who am I to judge a man by his tools? Kudra furrowed her brow. There is always a madness with resurrectionists. They cannot be trusted. Von Stuck and I have history. Who do you think loaned him his first book on necromancy? Kudra gasped. Sandeep ignored it. Though he never did return it, 
So maybe you are onto something. A snarl rumbled from the deep shadows just outside of the light from Sandeep's lantern, and a mass of rotting flesh and rusted metal hurtled towards Kudra. She bent like a reed in the wind, ducking underneath the first blow from an oversized scythe, and followed it up with a series of quick kicks to the creature's legs. It wasn't enough to cripple the thing, just knock it off balance. It sprawled onto the ground, and Kudra circled it slowly. The thing thrashed and squirmed, deadly blades and bloated limbs striking out at random. But Kudra was always too quick. Sandeep held out a hand which emitted a soft blue light. Calm, friend, calm, he chanted under his breath. The creature slowed and then stopped. It lay still on the ground, staring up at Kudra with suspicious eyes. A soft clapping echoed through the sewer and Professor Albus von Stuck stepped out of the shadows. He was a scrawny man with wild hair, and spectacles pushed too far up onto his nose. What had once been a fine suit hung from him in tatters, and a belt of bloody tools was strapped around his waist. Sandeep, old boy, impressive show. It has been quite some time since someone has dealt with one of my students without damaging them in the process. Sandeep gave a brief smile. I feel bad hurting the poor creatures too terribly. What is it you always say? They're more afraid of us than we are of them. Quite right. Von Stuck clapped his hands, a strange gleam in his eyes. You seem to have brought a friend. Perhaps you would be interested in joining my university. His eyes gleamed disturbingly as he looked her up and down. Kudra shot an icy look at Von Stuck, and then at Sandeep. Sandeep gave a shallow cough. I don't think Kudra is interested in any higher education. We'll see. The smile he gave her implied that the matter was far from settled. Very well, what brings you two to my house of learning? We were just about to step out for a field trip. Do you have any news about Miss Squidpidge? I wouldn't come here without it. Sandeep flashed a grin. Von Stuck adjusted his spectacles. You always were my most well-informed colleague. All knowledge is power. I collect it wherever I can, but I would like a favor in return. Von Stuck sighed, removed his spectacles, and began to clean them. It can never just be a nice deed for an old friend. Well, out with it. I'd like to borrow the use of one of your creations. It must have some talent with the arcane, and it must be quick on its feet. I'll need it tomorrow night in the quarantine zone, just outside of the sink. Do you think you can make that happen? Von Stuck rubbed his chin thoughtfully, replaced his spectacles, and then put his fingers in his mouth and let out a shrill whistle. After a few moments of silence, there was the scraping sound of metal on stone, and a hulking, rotting thing with the body of a snake crudely fashioned from metal tubes, and the torso of a man slithered from one of the side passages. It circled Sandeep and began sniffing at his clothes. This is one of my top-scoring students, student number 102. He had some talent for the arcane in life, and retains it now. I assume that quick on its feet was just a figure of speech. The student shot a dark glare at von Stuck. Your grade depends on it, von Stuck growled, his mood turning to anger in the blink of an eye. Sandeep handed von Stuck an envelope. Very good. Here are maps and the instructions which he will need. The professor looked at the contents of the envelope over for a moment before handing it over to the student. That should make for an interesting assignment. Now what do you have about the unfortunate Miss Squidpidge? 
Nandit fished in his pocket and came up with a newspaper clipping which he handed to von Stuck. The professor looked it over with intensity. Corruption in the Ratcatcher's Brotherhood. There is nothing about her here, he growled, glaring up at him. Look at the name of the author, Sandeep said, pointing. Polly Tortelin. Von Stuck looked back to the article, reading it over with new attention to detail. It does seem to be her writing style. A false name, interesting. No doubt that fiend Seamus put her up to this. Von Stuck's voice trailed off as his fallen creation righted itself, and then he carefully tucked the article back into his pocket. Thank you, Sandeep. This will be quite helpful in seeing that she gets the rest she deserves. He took one final look at Kudra. The next semester begins in one week, he reminded her. Do not be late, or I shall have to send a truancy officer to fetch you. Kudra rolled her eyes at Sandeep, who shrugged as the professor and his undead creation shambled off into the sewers. Once they were out of sight, the two of them began their long ascent back to the city above. The bookstore was small and cramped, but every nook and corner that could be filled had a book in it. Kudra followed behind Sandeep, being careful not to accidentally knock over any of the large stacks of leaning books which threatened to topple at any moment. We're about to close for the night. You can come back, a woman's voice said, and then cut off short as she caught sight of the visitors around the stack of books. Oh, it's you. Nice to see you as well, Emily, Sandeep replied. Emily shrugged. She was a short woman with her brown hair and a practical ponytail. Goggles were pushed up on top of her head. I was expecting an actual customer. How many times have I told you that this isn't a library, Sandeep? Sandeep gave a genuine smile. I have always been of the persuasion that knowledge is free and open to all. Behind him, Kudra snorted quietly as she inspected one of the books. And I have always been of the persuasion that rent and food cost scrip, Emily smirked. What do you need? I'm going to call in my favor. The smile faded, and for the first time Emily looked serious. I see. Have you kept up on your lockpicking? Emily raised an eyebrow. Well, I can't say that selling books exactly pays all the bills in this city, so yeah, I've kept up on it as well as I can. Sandeep nodded. Then I'll need your help tomorrow night. It won't be an easy job, but after that we'll be even. Emily sighed and nodded her head. Thank you, Sandeep nodded. I shall see you tomorrow night. As they left, Kudra turned to Sandeep. Why does she owe you a debt? She used to be a librarian for the Fry Corps. Sandeep stroked his beard as they walked. Unfortunately, she has sticky fingers and likes books a tad too much for their tastes. They're not the sort of organization you want to be caught stealing from. She had been to a few of my classes, and I thought she might be useful later, so I intervened. Kudra lifted an eyebrow. How? I knew a few things about one of the commanding officers. Who don't you have something on? Kudra asked. Not all knowledge is academic, but almost all knowledge can be leveraged like a weapon given the proper opportunity. I find it best to keep my eyes open and my memory long.
The next night, Sandeep and Kudra met Emily outside of her shop and then headed towards the quarantine zone. It didn't take long to find an unguarded section of the barricade, and a rope made the crossing relatively short and easy work. The buildings on this side of the barricade could have easily passed as any other part of the city, which made the fact they were uninhabited even more disconcerting. Darkened windows and doors swinging on the wind loomed around every corner, promising any manner of inhuman monstrosities lurking inside. The darkened street stretched out into the night, beckoning the party forward. The farther they got from the barricade, the more decrepit and empty the city seemed. But any wise traveller in the quarantine zone knew that emptiness was an illusion. The absence of humanity was an inviting feature for many of the denizens of Malifaux. Soon they could see the buildings begin to slant at strange angles up ahead. There is the beginning of the sink. That's our mark, whispered Sandeep, pointing to a large stone building just on the outskirts of the sink. It was two stories high, and strange runes were etched into the walls, which were arranged at awkward angles. Two guild guards stood watch outside the front door. In the shadows near the building, light glinted off of a pair of metal talons, and Sandeep nodded to student number 102. Come on. Sandeep motioned to a nearby sewer entrance, and three travellers slid quietly into the dank undercity. Sandeep held a lamp as they travelled. It should be coming up. Halt! Who goes there? A voice shouted as they turned a corner, revealing two guards standing in front of a steel grate a mere two paces away. Kudra immediately danced into motion, leaping forward and planting a kick firmly into the neck of the first guard. She pivoted and knocked the gun out of the second guard's hand with one hand and punched him with her other. As she landed the punch, one of her pet cobras slid down her arm and delivered a quick series of bites. In moments, both men were on the ground, foaming at the mouth. Emily the lock, Sandeep said, motioning. Emily rushed forward, removed two metal picks from her hair, and began working them into the lock on the heavy grate with well-practiced motions. As she worked, she squinted and bit the tip of her tongue. There was an audible click and the lock fell away. Done. Not even anything sophisticated. Sandeep sighed. That may not be a good sign. He motioned for his companions to help, and together the three of them lifted the heavy metal grate. It made a low grinding noise as it rose, but it was not enough to alert anyone inside. The air was dank and oppressive. Strange runes and bloodstains marked the walls. I don't even want to think of what the guild uses this building for, Sandeep mumbled. Kudra nodded, but didn't say anything. As they climbed up the stairs to the first floor, they almost ran into a patrolling guardsman. But Kudra grabbed him before he could make a sound and snapped his neck, her snakes landing a few cautionary bites in the process, just in case. On the second floor, they found two more guards protecting a door. Kudra leapt forward and incapacitated the first with a few quick and precise blows, and Sandeep landed a heavy blow with his gada on the second man's head. There was a sickening crunch and some gurgling as the man fell. Sandeep's method wasn't as silent as Kudra's, but it was equally effective. Emily had her picks out again without being told. She made short work of the lock, and Sandeep swung the door open. The room was well lit, revealing a man who was sitting at a desk, writing what looked like a letter. There was a bed in one corner, and evidence of a recently eaten meal in dishes on a tray on the floor. Meetle, Sandeep murmured, his voice trailing off. Mittle turned from his writing desk with a smile and looked at Sandeep over his glasses. 
Hello, old friend. The sound of boots thundered on the stairs, and the shouts of guardsmen filled the air as an unseen detachment rushed up the stairway. You're under arrest. Halt. Get down on the... Is that a snake? While the guardsmen had clearly been ready for intruders, few people are ever prepared to have a cobra land at their feet. The first man up the stairs screamed and pointed his gun towards the snake, giving Kudra a chance to send him flying over the railing. The men on the stairs below began firing, and Kudra jumped back just in time. Sandeep raised a cautionary hand and slowly lowered to the ground. He placed his garter on the floor, gesturing for the two women to surrender as well. Kudra scowled, but followed his lead after a warning shot was fired over her head from the stairway below. Once they were on the ground, the guardsmen made their way into the hall. I don't understand, Sandeep whispered. Sandeep Desai, not understanding something. Mito let out a rich laugh, pacing in front of the prone Sandeep. The guard had taken up positions at the top of the stairs, in the corners of the hall, rifles at the ready. Imagine that. How long did it take them to break you? Sandeep looked up at his old friend. I should have rescued you sooner. I searched, but... It's not too late, Meetle. I'm here to help you. Break me? Meetle's booted foot caught Sandeep on the chin, spraying blood across the floor. He leaned in close, looking the other man in the eye. Nobody broke me. Who do you think tipped the guild off that the Ikaria was encouraging rebellious activity? Sandeep's eyes widened. Who else would have realized this was such a perfect location to deal with your unique talents? You thought I was being arrested, but I was being put into protection. It's a good thing they got me out of there too before your little fire show. Sandeep gritted his teeth and clenched his fists. The old man should have listened to me. We needed to work with the guild. Progress has a price. But he couldn't understand that, and now he's dead, and I'm on my way to being in charge of an entire province back home. Especially after your capture. Oh, my superiors are very interested in asking you some questions. Sandeep shot Meetle a deadly glare. You betrayed us. Come now, Meetle smiled. I'm not the one who killed our master. There was a low rumbling sound, and then a shriek split the air. The building rumbled, and the hallway filled with light as the runes on the walls glowed and then faded. Meetle looked around in confusion. Enough of this. Bind them and bring them back to the guild enclave. He motioned to the guards. The hall filled with the sound of Sandeep's laughter as he lifted himself to his feet. He turned his head and spat out blood. A guard behind him tried to smash the butt of his rifle against Sandeep's temple, but Sandeep dodged the blow and grabbed the man's wrist. As he did, his hand began to glow with a soft blue light, and the guard began to shake and writhe. Blue flames shot from his mouth and eyes, and then his smoking corpse collapsed to the floor. Before the rest of the stunned guards could react, Sandeep lifted his arms, and there was a flash of light blinding them temporarily. Shouts broke out among the confused guardsmen, and some began to fire blindly. Kudra hopped to her feet and landed a blow on one of the guards in the corner. Emily rolled out of the way, backing up against a wall. Sandeep began chanting in a low voice, and raised his arms. Blue blasts of arcane energy danced from his fingertips and leapt through the air, cutting down any guardsman who was still standing. Their smoking corpses fell to the ground, cut cleanly where the arcane light had touched them.
As the last of the guards fell, Meetle backed up into a corner, drawing a knife from his boot. How, he shouted, his eyes darting around wildly. You can't do that here. Anyone who would have tried to dispel the dampening field would have been killed in the process. Sandeep grinned. Not all of my friends are burdened by petty thoughts like staying alive. Meetle lunged at Sandeep, but Sandeep grabbed the other man's arm and twisted it. There was a loud snapping sound, and Meetle dropped the knife with a shout. Sandeep kicked the knife away and then punched Meetle in the throat, who fell to the floor gasping for air. Kudra, Emily. Sandeep's voice was iron. Leave us. But teacher, Kudra began, leave us. Sandeep's eyes were wild. His voice echoed through the hall. Without further protest, the two women made their way down the stairs. Sandeep picked up his gada from where he dropped it earlier and paced slowly towards Meetle. I'm sorry, master, he said quietly under his breath. I'm going to disappoint you again. No, Meetle pleaded. We were friends, Sandeep. Sandeep raised the gada above his head and Meetle flinched, but the blow was not aimed at him. The weapon came down on the floor, and splinters of stone exploded outwards, forming a burning pit. Out of that pit came laughter that sounded like rending steel. Sandeep turned his back and slowly began walking away. Burn him. Behind him, the building burned to the ground, and once more Sandeep's past was burned by his anger and left in ashes. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.